Welcome to Starkey Soundbites. I'm your host, Dave Fabry, Starkey's Chief Innovation Officer. Our guest today is Jessica Perez, Starkey's new Chief People Officer and Executive Vice President of Culture. That's a long title. It is, and it's so fun, and, and I refuse to cut it. it down. Yes, no, you shouldn't, uh, and, and not yes. even abbreviate. I mean, no, I think no, you could come up with a, a, a cool acronym yes. for it, but I think it's better if you just draw it out. You know, I did like the Madame Vice President for a while, though. Say that again. Madam Vice President. Madame Vi- yes, Vice Madame President. Vice President. Oh, that's that was good fun, too. but like MVP. people MVP is MVP. good. MVP. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, beyond your title, yes. we're going to have you talk a little bit today about really navigating these uncharted waters. Yeah. I mean, really what we've been going through, it feels like just a continuation of 2020 into 2021 into 2022. I love that you just said that because when the new year came around, like 2021, I was like, okay, ha. And I went, nope, nope, there is no 2021. There is no No. 2022. I'm sticking with 2020 until this is done. Yeah, just just feels like one long blur. And I'm waiting for New Year's Eve. Yes. And whenever that's going to be. It feels like we're getting closer to it now, but it's still is ongoing yeah and uh and so we really are looking forward to talking about a few of those topics today how you've been helping starkey navigate these waters as an organization uh maybe talk a little bit about some of the the uh your 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 crystal ball if you will for what you see for the future but uh, but uh, to that end let's just kick it off but first i think uh talk a little bit about your starkey story my Um, starkey story gosh So my Starkey story is that I spent really the first 10 years of my career doing retained executive search, which is like headhunting um, within pharmaceutical, biotech, med device, fascinated by science, wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. So it was like the way that I could kind of play with it um, and kind of went through that age 30 transition. If you're familiar with that It, it at was all. a long time ago, but it, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember it vaguely. Yeah, it's, yes. it's one of those things where there was just something that suddenly catapulted me into mm. realizing I just need to be my authentic self. What was that? You know, I, well, I think it, well, a divorce will do that for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting laid off will do that for mm-hmm. you. So, And you had the experience retain- in of 30 being Both. laid off yes. and got divorced. Yes. Wow, double yes. whammy. So interestingly enough, I decided I'm not going to go back to the retained world because mm-hmm. it didn't feel good, didn't like the job, don't know why I did it for as long as I did. And Starkey just hmm. happened to come across, and candidly, I didn't know anything about hearing aids, wasn't familiar with Starkey, even though I lived here. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, hearing aids. Yeah. Eh. So, which was beautiful, because when I came for the interview process, I was just me. Sure. Hire me, don't hire yeah. me. Like, it's all about networking, meeting people. And it was interesting, because the first interview that I had, he kind of, you know, did the little sit back and looked at me, and why would we hire you? And, mm-hmm. well, you don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. It was just a very honest kind of mm. thing. And I figured that interview went terribly, not going to get, but at least I did it. And I walked through the door, and I met people. So color me surprised when then I get called back. Mm. And interestingly enough, the second round of interviews, that same person that was doing this yes. was now doing this. Hmm engaging, mm-hmm. fun, authentic. And then I met with a handful of other people in the HR world, the same thing. And I went, there's something so interesting about these people. So anyways, obviously joined, 
supporting the R&D side. And that's when I learned I got really into the technology. Because in my mind, it was for older people and they're kind of clunky, didn't know. And then meeting with the engineers, especially recruiting for them and understanding like the signal processing that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, like one day these are going to be wireless. Mm -hmm. One day, and then it goes to the iPhone, right? And now you've got sensors and all those. And I was like, it was just fascinating what we could do and then as far as the engineering side you know the computational power and like what it takes to fit all these different pieces into Mm -hmm. this little thing and then have it powered so i was fascinated by the technology Mm -hmm. very very smart people And I was super interested in the culture. So anyways, that's what started me on my journey of really being engaged and looking at our culture. Mm -hmm. This part was just an R&D and we went through changes and we realized, gosh, you know, we're promoting managers that are very technical, Mm -hmm. but they don't really desire to lead people. Mm -hmm. They don't really want to be managing people. They still want to be down here. And the reason that they're wanting to be promoted to managers is because they perceive that they're going to get special communication or they're going to be in the know of what the secrets are. So once we realized that, it was like, oh gosh, let's really look at both the professional as well as you know the, the leadership kind of track, if you will. And if it really is about communication, then at a certain level in the organization, whether you're leading people or not, you're gonna be in the communication stream, yes. right? And if you wanna do technical stuff, that's fine, but you do it as an individual contributor, yep. and then you get leaders, da da da. So, We go through all those pieces, um, and then I'm asked after doing all that fun stuff to then Mm -hmm. pop over to the international world. Yeah, because I was going to say that you've had the opportunity that a lot of people within Starkey haven't had, and that's to see a a, a really broad array of our global business and business partners. And I think, and talk a little bit about that, because it's really, I think, foreign, literally, uh, for for many of us to, to really see all of the uh, the impact that Starkey's making yes. around the world. Yeah. Oh, it is fascinating. So I would say two parts. I have been fortunate enough to work with leaders that see me, get me, and they're like, just let her go. Because mm-hmm. I'm a little bit stubborn. I like to dig in. Mm-hmm. And so other than, I think, my first promotion into managing the recruiting function, none of the other promotions ever existed. The Mm. titles didn't exist, Mm -hmm. the positions didn't exist, and that's the beauty of Starkey, Mm -hmm. is that when you see an opportunity, you know, then you dive in and you try to help the business, even if it's not in your job description. And that was just my case, is that eventually as time went on and other people or other departments started to see it, they were like, hey, what is she doing? And maybe we need to call that something. Mm -hmm. So when I went over to the international side, we had never had support for international. And it was literally day one of like, Jess, I want a headcount report. Mm -hmm. And you would laugh at this, but like there was no headcount report. There was no system. And it was like, well, I know that we've got, you know, about 3,000 employees located Mm -hmm. outside of the United States that Mm -hmm. just happen to sprinkle across, you know, 29 different countries, what they do, how they do it, who they, like, we had no idea. And that was done by design at that time when we started building all these different facilities is because we wanted them to be standalone businesses and not get bogged down by, you know, the U.S. or corporate or those things. Mm -hmm. But of course, as we've continued to grow and then with everything that's been going on around the world, there was a realization that like if we really want to have an impact, 
that impact right now, we focus so much on the U.S., that impact is going to be outside of the U.S. For sure. Yeah. And so as we start doing that, then we realize, okay, like in Europe, we've got maybe nine facilities. Mm -hmm. Each facility has, you know, a managing director. Mm -hmm. They have salespeople. Maybe they have HR finance people. But none of them are connected with the other countries within the region. Yeah, and that was going to be my point is that, you know, you talk about having and seeing all of these independent entities that are all part of the greater whole. Then as our EVP of culture, how do you tie that in to our global culture? Yeah, Yeah. so that is, that was, I think, you know, the most rewarding part of this Mm -hmm. role in working with them is they didn't know what HR was. And they were used to HR being kind of the 1980s policeman, policewoman. The windows are open in the parking lot and it's raining. Exactly, yeah. 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 Uh And so it was really just starting to integrate and get to know the leaders. Mm -hmm. And when you start to get to know the leaders, you start asking questions about the business and it Mm -hmm. naturally always lends itself when you're talking about results back to the talent or back to the people. And then you start to talk about like, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, maybe tweaking an incentive plan to drive Mm -hmm. the behavior that you want? Or, Mm -hmm. hey, have you ever thought about setting goals? Or, you know, how do you hold people accountable? How do you know that your employees are engaged? How are you getting the best of them? And because they're seeing it drive business results, they glom on immediately. And I've lost count of the number of times that I've met with people like, I still don't understand how your HR, because you seem like you're more of a business consultant, but that's yeah. what we want to be, yeah. right? We yeah. are here to enable performance, both for the leaders as well as the employees, and act as that bridge and conduit to say, how do we get the best out of both? Yeah, right? I, I've heard it said a lot of times that you know people think of HR as a cost center, yeah. and organizational development yeah. is really yeah. uh, a, a, an organization within the organization to help bring and populate that exactly. culture and that vision and the why yes. for the organization, which exactly. is so vital to Starkey's mission yeah. and vision. Absolutely. And that's the point of when you talk about how do we get that culture Mm -hmm. and really create that one global organization, it's our purpose. It's our mission. Yeah. And it's great because we're not, we're not doing things, we're doing things that help humanity. Exactly. We're making products that then are fitted by professionals on end users to make a difference in their life and enable them to communicate with other people. Exactly. And it's like, what better gift than that? And when you have people that work for an organization with Mm -hmm. such a strong mission, there are so many more commonalities than there are differences. And so that's what we built on is our customer service orientation, serving our customers better Mm -hmm. than anybody else. But then in addition to that, we started doing road trips, going to these different facilities because then I needed to build trust with the employees because they had their perception of what HR is, right? Which is again, the scary one that we're not gonna talk to. Mm -hmm. And then little by little, you know, really understanding what is it about Starkey and what do we expect out of our leaders as far as how they show up and how they behave? Exactly. And so for some areas, there was, you know, somebody would show up looking great. They know how to manage up very, very mm-hmm. well. They know how to present mm-hmm. their budget. But then behind the scenes, you find out they're sitting in the back office all day, not interacting no, with employees. not engaged nope. with their employees at not all. Not at all. Well, and I want to talk a little bit about that. You've already yeah. mentioned just since we started, you talked about authenticity. Yeah. You talk about vulnerability. You talked about going through this period of, of turning 30 where yeah. you sort of needed to come to grips with your authentic self. I think that one area that I find particularly refreshing about yeah. what you've brought to the table is 
I mean, we've lived in a world in many cases where it's like fake it till you make it. I don't mean at Starkey. I just yeah, mean in general. Absolutely. Leadership is often seen, you know, lead from the front and fake it till you make it. And yeah. don't let them see you sweat. Yeah. And you're bringing a sense of authenticity and yeah. vulnerability. I, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. Yes. And so in her book, the latest book, Atlas of the Heart, yes. she talks about, you know, I've spent my whole life trying to think about how many countries I can visit, how many places yeah. I can go. And really what she's taught me in that latest book is to try to getting in touch with and being vulnerable with so those hard. people who have earned the ability for you to yeah. see uh, and be authentic with yeah. them is important. And I think you really have brought a, a flavor of that to the organization Thank in your you. leadership style. Thank you. And, and, and I think that that's really important moving forward because too. the last few years we've all had to deal with yeah real life in ways that in many cases we haven't before. Yeah. And I do want to pivot a little bit into that in talking a little bit. Yeah. You've been at the helm now um, during um, COVID. Yeah. And talk a little bit about the way and some of the challenges that yeah. you've had within Starkey in, in dealing with yeah. the COVID pandemic. Yeah. You know, it's, I think that what COVID has done for us, um, positive, negative, however you mm -hmm. want to look at it, is that people don't seem to have the ability when they come into the workplace to leave the personal life beho behind, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. for so long we were taught, you know, business is business mm -hmm. and you don't bring personal stuff into the business. But with COVID and whether that is simply because people were isolated and, you know, realizing what was important or maybe it was the whole discussion about like returning back to work and mm -hmm. you know daycare and so now you're talking more about your kids yeah. or have you, you know, seen the things. show i don't remember which network it's on it's called severance where it's like people's work life yet. from their home life is completely separate and like you said during covid we've had to get used to imperfection yeah. on on yes. teams calls or zoom calls yes. there's a cat climbing around in the background yes. our kids coming in asking for something yes and we all just got used to it in the, in the old days we would have been mortified yeah yeah and, and i now love that yeah and yes. now we've seen that often totally authenticity come yes. through and you learn a little bit more in ways that previously we we, we didn't know about each oh, other as 100%. colleagues. Oh, 100%. And I remember, you know, there, there were so many arguments about, you know, you have to be in the workplace to build your culture and how do you do it without being face to face. Mm -hmm. And I literally went through building out this global HR team mm -hmm. while we were going through COVID. So not only, you know, the space, the physical space, countries apart, right? Mm -hmm. But then also the fact that we weren't able to really communicate live. So it was kind of like the double whammy. But the beauty of it is, you know, when you are talking with your boss or, you know, talking with your team and one of your kids, this literally happens, <laughs> slides down the banister and the whole team says, hey, Cody, be careful. It brings this familiarity there. Mm -hmm. It makes it trusting and it makes it a much safer space. And so mm -hmm. for me, I got to know my team on a much deeper level than I otherwise would have. That's true. However, now I'll be devil's yes. advocate and say that one of the challenges for me personally during the time yeah. when we were all remote is that we lose that element of when we would come into a meeting, into a conference room, good old-fashioned conference room where we're yeah. all together and we have 10 minutes beforehand or afterhand yeah. and we just kind of engage in that yeah. informal conversation. Yeah. Now, you know, with teams meetings yeah. lined up end to end all yeah. day, it's very difficult to have that casual, informal yeah. conversation. What yes. are you doing as our chief people officer and 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 thinking about the culture yeah. of the benefit of that informal 
uh, unprepared, unplanned yeah. conversation. Yeah. You, you you have the informality of Cody sliding down the banister, right. but but how do you how do you re- replicate that yeah. for other sorts of nuances and benefits to the yeah. workplace? Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I'm struggling with that right now. So having been remote for so long and having the schedule, not having all the interruptions that you would typically have, mm-hmm. being back in the workplace constant interruptions, right? And if you haven't been planning your day for interruptions, right? So that's kind of like another shift. Recalibration. Exactly, that we all have to make. But I think the other side to it is, and we experienced this, we had a customer event in Las Vegas about Mm -hmm. a month ago. Mm -hmm. Um, There is something so magical that happens when Mm -hmm. people come together. And when you've got the good positive energy and you haven't been out of the house for so long. And so I think part of what we're orienting ourselves to is how do we make Starkey a place that people want to come to, right? So that it's not just work, it's also that social interaction. And you hear this all the time, it's the people of Starkey, right? Mm -hmm. It's the way that we care about each other, it's our customers, it's the closeness that we have with everybody. So how do we start to create that community feel? Mm -hmm. And it's changed up the way that we look at things, whether it is, you know, building outside and having like picnic tables or Mm -hmm. areas where people can sit in the grass and be close to nature or you know maybe there's going to be communal areas where I remember you know years ago during breaks there would be a handful of engineers that would actually play and have Mm -hmm. their little banjo and you remember this Mm -hmm. these kinds Mm -hmm. of things that's the environment that we need that's the environment that people want because people want to have fun again yeah there is so much just heaviness Mm -hmm. everywhere right Mm now that to come to a place where you can be your authentic self, mm-hmm. let down your guard, you're with colleagues that have got your back, you trust them, they trust you, and that ties in, right, of course, to our values mm-hmm. and making sure that we're hiring people that actually exude and believe in those values because otherwise it's just, it's it's never gonna work if you don't hire the right people for your culture. And so to that end then, um, do you believe that it's more important to hire for culture or for the aptitude for a given job description. Culture. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It seems as though you can train on the other elements. Yeah. Now, obviously, in some yeah. of the highly technical fields, I mean, yes. they need to have the cachet. Yes. They need to have the credentials yeah. in order to do the job. You yeah. can't train somebody up into to, right. to some of those well, high-level positions. Well, and interestingly enough, I'll give a shout-out to one of our engineers, Pete, mm-hmm. because that was, if I go back to the R&D recruiting days, mm-hmm. one of the first roles, so we were hiring a group internally. It was going to be a confidential search. We mm-hmm. needed to have a director, senior director. I can't remember what it was. And we had two candidates. One was Pete and one was another gentleman. Mm -hmm. And the gentleman had, you know, 150% of the technical requirements. Mm -hmm. He could do it in his sleep. It was not going to be a problem. But the management side, people leadership side was like, oh, not so much. Wasn't really the orientation. And then we had Pete, who had probably 80% of the technical, you know, what we were looking for. But the people leadership and the desire and the motivation was through the roof. Mm -hmm. And that was the first big culture shift that we made was hiring a people leader first. And then the technical side comes secondary, right, especially if they're working with a team. And, you know, I have lost count of the number of people that I have worked with, you know, over all the years Mm -hmm. that functionally were geniuses. Mm -hmm. And there is so much to learn from them. 
but my goodness, you put them in front of anybody and they're just not very nice. They shut down ideas. They shut down the brainstorming. They shut down the creativity. It's all Mm -hmm. about them and their brilliance. And that will never work. It works in some cultures, some organizations, not ours. Sure. And I can tell you that as somebody that works with Pete on a on a daily basis, oh, that, that, was my point. that yes. 80th percentile, if you yeah. will, he has filled that gap and 100%. then some. And uh, he's now and, a vice president. Exactly. So, ta-da. Nice right? job. I know. Yeah. Like feather in my cap gets yes. bigger and bigger yes, and like indeed. such a fun conversation when he was yeah. promoted to that. And he loves it because yeah. he loves people. Mm-hmm. And like when you care about your team it's kind of like your kids when your kids succeed Mm -hmm. like you feel better than when you succeed for people that have that natural orientation where it feels so much better when your team succeeds than when you do Mm -hmm. you're in the right role yeah no that's i mean i think that when you align something you're passionate about doing with something that you're good at that's where when people say find your passion yeah that's what it's aligning both of those and putting them together into something that you could do all day long yeah and stop trying to be something that you're not yeah It's okay. And I know for me, you know, I went 10 years on the retained search side, like, okay, yeah, this is fine, but no real growth, right? Again, because I wasn't even authentic. Mm -hmm. Coming to Starkey and, you know, to go from being an individual recruiter, Mm -hmm. right, in 2010 to 2022 being named the chief people officer and Mm -hmm. executive VP of culture, Mm -hmm. never in my wildest Mm -hmm. dreams did I ever aspire to be a C anything. Anything. Mm -hmm. Never did I even want to be a manager because I didn't think I would be good at it because I didn't, like, I thought you had to be, you know, kind of mean and like, you know, deep down detail management. Mm -hmm. And then to be in this position only because when you're your authentic self, you're not second guessing what you're saying. Right. You don't have to pause. You don't have to remember what you said no. because you're only limited by your memory. Exactly. If you were saying. Yeah. Yes. And that's then when, of course, it's like a slingshot yeah. because there's no baggage holding you back. Well, to that end, let's shift a little bit and talk about some of the challenges that yeah. you've had in your role. I mean, we've heard, we've all heard about ad nauseum, yeah. the great resignation, the great reshuffle. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, I mean, you've you've had to address that yeah. in your role yeah. in, in ways that you didn't have to think about before. Absolutely. But but you know what what insights did you gain by this great reshuffle, great resignation? Yeah. One thing I've seen and heard, and you probably have a better handle. On, I'm sure yeah. you have a better handle on the numbers than I do. Yeah. But I know that in seeing reports of people who did uh, decide to leave their jobs that they began the pandemic with yeah. into another one. Uh, I saw something where upwards of seventy percent had second uh, uh, second guessed them yeah, their decision absolutely. that the grass really wasn't greener on the other no. virtual side of yeah. the fence. Yeah. Uh, but to talk a little bit about some of the challenges, I think some of the challenges is that people were being pushed to the extremes, both personally as well as professionally. So on the personal front, we're going through something that we've never gone through. Mm-hmm. On the professional front, to your point, whether it's turnover or you know we have to orient ourselves to our patients a little bit differently it's just high levels of stress and I think that you know as we look across well really all over the world Mm -hmm. where people are orienting themselves is they want to work in a place where they feel good about what they do Mm -hmm. they feel like they're adding value and they feel like they're able to fulfill their own purpose it's almost like it's become more than a paycheck and hey if I'm gonna spend you know two-thirds or whatever it is of my life working Mm -hmm. 
I want it to mean something. So in a positive way, this has really helped us at Starkey because of our purpose, Mm -hmm. right? People want to do something, especially people that don't know how to make the world a better place right now because it feels so heavy. This one thing and knowing that the work that they do can change somebody's life and is adding goodness and then you start talking through you know hearing through humanity right Mm -hmm. or now Mm -hmm. we know with hearing loss like ties to dementia alzheimer's depression you know all those different components and with the world already being a dark place knowing that you can have a hand in bringing light to somebody's Mm -hmm. life and the impact that that has Mm -hmm. that's what people are looking for so we've seen actually many more people that like are like have awareness of Starkey Mm -hmm. specifically wanting to reach out to us because of the purpose that we have and wanting to be a part of it. Yeah, I think it's been our secret weapon since Bill Austin founded the company. Yeah, yeah. But I would also say like in contrast to that because of COVID and nobody having any answers, there were a lot of fingers being pointed at HR. How long is this going to last? When is this going to end? What do you mean we all have to go and work from home suddenly? Mm-hmm. And when do we get to come back? And how are we going to come back? And is there or, any flexibility? Is there yeah, like or that it, it feels like a four-letter word, but it's a yeah. six-letter word, hybrid. You know, <laughs> yes. um, the people that got you know initially said, "What do you mean I have to work from home?" Yeah. And now saying, "What do you mean I have to come back into exactly. the office?" And yes, obviously there are, and there's been a lot of uh, studies that have looked at the the disparity, the economic disparities of people that had to come in to work every day during the pandemic versus those who've been able to work remotely. But now there still are jobs and roles that we have that require a physical presence to, to do their work, yeah. but then uh, how are we how are we navigating that? And advice that you have for other maybe business owners yeah. that, that are listening to this podcast as yeah. to how to address hybrid because it is a big issue it and is. an issue. Is, is this going to change moving forward, or is this a temporary transitory stage? Yeah. So I would answer it a couple of different ways. So I think that. You know, what has come out of this is that there's almost this equilibrium now between the employer and the employee, meaning they're on even playing fields, Mm -hmm. which I love. And I think that's the way that it should be, Mm -hmm. because for every entitled leader that you have of like, you know, oh, they don't know what they're doing or, you know, I can just replace. We have none of these. We have none of these. Right. But in the big world, business owners. Right. And then you've got the entitled employee, right? Mm -hmm. Give me, give me, give me. And you can Mm -hmm. see how those two kind of just the perceptions kind of bonk heads. Yeah, it shouldn't be adversarial. It shouldn't be. It should be a partnership. And it should be reciprocal, meaning the more that you give, the more you're going to get. And that's that partnership that is starting, I believe, starting to be created, right? But Mm -hmm. I think part of the difficulty is, like you said, for the individuals that were showing up on campus every day during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. we recognized that and we rewarded them. Mm-hmm. and acknowledged them and thanked them mm-hmm. you know and we had a lunch that we brought in trucks and you know bonuses those kinds of different pieces but then on the other side you know it has required leaders to take a step back because guess what you're no longer in a position of power 
people can work anywhere that they want to, right? Mm -hmm. And you got to get uncomfortable being comfortable, which mm -hmm. many leaders say. Get comfortable being get uncomfortable. Comfortable being uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can be uncomfortable which, being comfortable <laughs> yes. too. But. Which all of us can say until it's us that exactly. has to be Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, right? it's always easier when I'm asking you to be exactly. uncomfortable. Exactly. And yeah. so there was this disparity and there was a bit of round and round, but basically by talking with the employees, understanding where mm -hmm. they were, establishing that trust. And listen, at the end of the day, the work's either getting done or it's not going to get done, right? We yeah, need to build I, I, this trust. You know, you raise a good point. I think the trust is fundamental, both from a manager and from an employee standpoint, yeah. is that in the old days, I think pre-COVID, people thought, well, if someone was working from home, they were goofing off. Right. And now getting to the point that focused on the productivity, yes. the outcome measure, rather yes. than the time you're you're spending in your chair yes. in the office. Yes. Um, as long as we can continue to get, because I will say I'm I'm old school. I'm a yeah. boomer, and, and I enjoy those um, interactions that occur at the proverbial water cooler yeah. or at lunchtime. Yeah. And someone that I didn't plan to meet, or I didn't have a meeting yeah. set up with them, and then we yeah. might. We might engage for 20 minutes yeah. or five minutes, and it could yeah. be meaningful and change my day. So once you realize that piece, and it's not about getting people to do what you want them to do, mm -hmm. it's how do you build on, let's create a partnership, let's create a win-win that makes sense for the business, but also makes sense for the employee, right, or the leaders. or the. So it's really just about those discussions. Mm -hmm. And I think that now that it's become less of a topic, so we did become flexible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those areas, it was so interesting because we want to say flexible, flexible, right? Sure. Do what makes sense and, you know, make sure you're getting your work done. And when you need to be on campus, be on campus. And when you don't, mm -hmm. then you don't. Mm -hmm. But people wanted more definitive answers than that. Yeah. So then we had to say, for example, if we were to throw out a generality, you know, we would love for you to be here three days a week and then working remotely, whether it's at home or wherever else, two days a week, right? And then the noise is, you know, it's kind of heavy for a little bit and, you know, oh gosh, do I always have to be online? Do I not have to? And then the noise just stops yeah. and it becomes normal again, right? And it's just like, it's no longer top of mind. But then what starts happening is as we're having events, mm -hmm. right? Or let's say there's group lunches that are getting together. Mm -hmm. And I know with my team, we get very, very intentional about mm -hmm. making sure that we have that time together in certain days where we're all gonna come together. Well, then for those individuals that aren't coming into the office, now they've got like, what did I miss out yeah, on? What do you mean FOMO, you had that fun have FOMO, yeah. Exactly, and so once this becomes that environment, and not just talking the talk, but walking the walk where people are authentic, are enjoying themselves. Yes, we work really hard, but we really enjoy the people that we are working with. Plus we've got the community spaces, so it's got kind of that social impact. Yeah. It's not that like we're looking down on you and trying to figure out like how long you're working and what you're doing. Once it becomes an environment that people want to come to, mm -hmm. that's when it all dissipates, right? So we've talked about a lot of different things in terms of where you've been, where we're going, uh, and now I'm gonna ask you to put a, uh, your crystal ball here. And what are your predictions for the next five years? I mean, we, we've seen a lot in the last three. What's yeah. the next five gonna look like? Yeah, you know, I think we are still gonna have a talent on war. I think it is incredible. Talent on war or war on, on talent? War on talent. My yeah, God, I love it. War on talent. Yeah. Has that? yeah, or talent on war. Talent on war. Either um, one. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that people will continue 
to be mindful of where they spend their time. Mm -hmm. I think that they will continue to be purposeful in their decisions. Um, I think there's going to be more and more entrepreneurs that are going to be out there that mm -hmm. maybe don't want to be under you know the whole public paradigm and making shareholders happy. But I think that there's also going to be a much stronger commitment and kind of realness for people that, you know, to do what you love and love what you do. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's just going to be, you know, a talking thing. Yeah. I think it's going to be, you know, more relatable. And even from a leadership perspective, you know, when we talk about authenticity, and that's where I see a difference in, you know, what I hope the future leaders mm -hmm. is that we're more relatable. Yeah. And, you know, when I mess up, and Lord knows I mess up hmm. all the time, if you can see yourself in me and see like, well, geez, if she can fall down and do that thing and she's doing mm -hmm. this, maybe I too mm -hmm. can become that thing. Absolutely. And thank you for that. And so we call this Darky Sound Bites for a reason. And so the time just flew by. Yes, it did. And so now I want to transition in the, in the vein of the name of this podcast into a couple questions about... Sure sound and your experience so do you have a favorite musical artist and why i do, I do. so patsy klein oh mm -hmm. love her and it takes me back to my childhood growing up mm -hmm. in northern california mm. grandpa was a cowboy mm. had a bunch of horses and we do the rodeos and there's something about anytime I hear it's kind of like that old country. Oh, yeah. It just brings me back to the sweet childhood no, memories. The, the raw and edge to her voice and the, the complexity of her voice is and her terrific. story. Yeah, and her story. Oh, my gosh. One more then. Um, so we talked about sound, and you've talked about the need to recharge, be your authentic self. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quiet place? It could be a place in nature, a place in your home. Um, can you think about the absence of sound? Although we don't celebrate that often, yeah. there is a benefit in industrialized society yeah. to finding a quiet place. Yes, I would say anywhere in the woods. Okay. So camping, no technology, and just listening to nature. There's something about just, it, it's almost like it's grounding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say anywhere in the woods. I think that's a good one. Thank you. Excellent. Well. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure so to fun. have you today, and, uh, and you know I, I really appreciate your talking about a whole host of topics. We kind of went in a nonlinear fashion, but I think we covered an <laughs> awful lot of ground. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of Sound Bites. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review uh, the Sound Bites on your preferred podcast. If you can also hit subscribe so that you're sure not to miss a single episode as soon as they come out. And I thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing and hearing you again soon.